MailChimp presents. Want to know what makes a successful email marketing strategy? Well, you could figure out a way to analyze millions of data points from other emails, or you could spend months researching the most relevant content, subject lines, and target audiences for your business. But if you don't have that type of data or that type of time, then you might need some help. And that's where MailChimp comes in. MailChimp sends out billions of emails and analyzes all those data points to offer personalized recommendations for your small business. Like, say you were opening up a new bakery. You know it'd be a good subject line for your email announcement? The best thing since sliced bread. These recommendations can improve your email content, subject lines, targeting, marketing automations, and so much more. Stop wasting time guessing about your marketing strategy and start utilizing informative, personalized, data-backed recommendations from MailChimp. Guess less and sell more with the number one email marketing and automation brand, Intuit MailChimp. Learn more at MailChimp.com. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. I can be Tina Turner's mama or Tupac's mama. Taraji's mama or Gabrielle Union's mother-in-law, it doesn't matter. What y'all see come through in all of those characters is Jennifer Lewis. Jennifer Lewis is a force of nature, to say the least. Since the 80s, she starred in countless movies, TV shows, and Broadway productions. You might know her as Dre's mom, Ruby, on Blackish. She plays the kind of opinionated but loving matriarch that people find familiar to their own families. Tonight, we're eating meatloaf, squash, or nothing. But I don't like meatloaf. Do you like nothing? Well, is the meatloaf organic? Not as organic as nothing. Come on, Grandma, I really had a taste for sushi. Then help yourself to a spicy nothing roll. Throughout her career, she's often played mother roles, like in the Tina Turner biopic, What's Love Got to Do With It?, where she portrays Tina's opportunistic mother, Zelma. You gonna pull your weight, girl? This ain't just some party town, yeah? It's me. Now, we all got jobs. Tomorrow, you start looking. <laughs> Jennifer has such an affinity for capturing the essence of motherhood on screen that she's become known as the mother of Black Hollywood, That's also the title of her first memoir. In her books and interviews, she always tells it like it is. She's also incredibly open about how she navigates the more challenging parts of her past, from addiction and sexual assault to being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But through it all, Jennifer still shows up for the people in her life. She's a parent to an adopted daughter, she's an aunt, and a mentor to many people in Hollywood. I was so excited to talk to Jennifer because of the role she played in my life, too. I remember watching her movies with my family growing up. We'd all point out how much she resembled my grandmother. Seeing the warmth, tough love, and humor Jennifer imbues into her characters always feels like a piece of home. While I've been figuring out whether I want to become a mother myself, I felt like one of the best things I could do was talk to someone who has seen it all, to learn more about her life, her upbringing, and the way she sees the world. I'm Ashley C. Ford, and this is Going Through It, 
a show about important moments in people's lives and how they navigate them. This season, I'm asking how people figure out whether or not to become parents. In this episode, I'm talking to actress Jennifer Lewis, someone who so many people in Hollywood look up to as a mother figure, and who, at least for this conversation, felt like one for me too. La girl, little Ashley. Hello. Hi, honey. This is a dream come true to get the opportunity to speak with you. My grandmother, this one portraited back here, who I love, I'm not saying this was totally appropriate, but she did take me to go see uh, What's Love Got to Do With It in the theaters. Is that her, is that an afro on her head? Yes. Yes. She she looks like me. That's, That's just me. It's very much close. Back there. <laughs> I'm not lying. It's that's very so close. Sweet. And even like the the uh, the leg out, all oh, that's all me back in the day. Honestly, that's one reason I'm so excited to talk to you because you two are so similar. Another reason is because you have this amazing uncanny ability to really talk about the human condition from a personal place that ends up applying to so many people across demographics, across experience. You have an ability to drill down into something that's just true. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like to be the child version of Jennifer Lewis? The inner little Jenny Lewis. Mm. Give me chill. What sustained me, Ashley, was having a dream and a passion. It consumed my mind. (laughs) You know, when I woke up as a little girl, I was ready for action. I was ready for the next hopscotch game or the game of jacks or who was going to get the ass beat after school. (laughs) I wanted to know where the of life was. Could I go past my grandmother's garden and get a smile from her just for me today? I woke up to live. I was excited about life. Now, mind you, in hindsight, a lot of that was mania Mm -hmm. because I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And it doesn't matter. There was a chemical imbalance in my brain. It's just simple as that. Mm -hmm. That's science. That was real. I loved my childhood. I didn't know we were poor. I was the baby of seven children. I didn't know we were poor. All I knew is there was going to be a talent show that night, and I wanted to sing. All I knew is there was a fish fry down the street, and I wanted a piece of fish. So I was going to go cut Miss Jones's weeds so she'd give me $3 so I could go buy me some fried fish for a quarter. I was alive in living even as a child. Becoming a leader, being an alpha female, discovering in junior high school and in high school that I was a leader, captain of the cheerleading squad, president of my class. I was that girl. I was that one you came to. You wanted to be like me. I was loud. I could sing. I had personality. And you call it mania. You call it whatever you want. But I was alive in living. I wanted to be rich and famous so I could have that attention from my mother. Mm-hmm. If I was famous, she could love me. If I could, was famous and rich, I could buy her things. 
being the baby, the youngest of seven, by the time I came along, my mother was exhausted. Oof. So I spent my whole childhood going, see me, see me. <laughs> when I sang that first solo in church and saw the reaction of the congregation, I went, oh, shit, so this is life. Girl, I never looked back. I don't think I have lived a day that I didn't sing a song because I saw what singing a song did to the souls of other people if it came purely from my soul. And because you saw me and what's love got to do with it and I made an impression, there must have been something coming from my soul even through the character I was playing. But I've been a star all my life. But let me tell you about the day I really knew I was a star. The day I knew that I was truly a star, a real star, was the day I realized everybody was one. Mm. See, this is mothering. <laughs> this is, to me, like, I'm, I'm hearing you say these things, and I'm like, that's what, I mean, what you are saying is the empathy, the encouragement, the hope, the faith in a potential for people younger than you, the same, whoever. To believe in themselves. Yes, yes. And you move fast. Like, I, I, as I was doing my research for this, I'd already read the books. I'd seen almost all of the movies. But one of the things that I hadn't done was go through all of the interviews and go through really your IMDb where, where <laughs> I started to discover that I loved you and things I didn't even know you were in. Oh, yeah. And I, it made me think, you know, when I was in my 20s, I was trying to do what I could do. I was trying to become a writer. I was trying to take care of myself. I didn't have anybody to take care of me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody to lean on. I didn't have any safety nets. I had a family who loved me but did not understand what I was trying to do or where I was trying to go. And so it was really, really hard. I wasn't thinking at all about being a mother or being a parent or having kids. I never had it on a timeline because it always seemed like something that just happened to you instead of something that you got to choose. So what was it like for you when you, you know, in your 20s, you moved to New York, you hit the ground running, you're going, going, going. Were you thinking at all about like having a family someday in terms of being a mother? No, not at all. That was not, that was so not in my picture to become a mother and be a wife. I wanted to be, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be a legacy. I wanted to bring the world the gift that had been bestowed on me. And oh, what a gift. Mm. Mm -mm. No, what a gift. I've spent my life honoring the gift as much as I possibly could. And I wanna say something to you right now. All that time in the twenties, you say, and you were trying to do this and trying. You weren't trying to do anything. You were doing it. Yeah. So, no, you, we are not trying. We are living. This is the moment. This ain't no fucking rehearsal. I wish somebody had said this to me. <laughs> Ooh, girl, I'd be president if I had a Jennifer Lewis in my life. I'd be president of the world, not the United States. Because you will eventually learn that you are the world. See, when I meditate, 
I put the planet in front of me first. I put earth right out here, right out extended from my heart. Because, see, I've been to Antarctica and I've seen the waterline of how much trouble we're in. Do you understand me, little girl? Yes. I've been to Flint. I've seen the dirty water. I've seen it. I've done it. I've been there. And I come home. And I've been given the courage to say to your generation, oh, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. We'll be right back. On Going Through It, our guests talk about the passions and decisions that impact them most. You can find similar stories on MailChimp's Bloom Season, a digital resource offering actionable insights for small business success. Throughout these episodes, I'll be introducing you to a few of the entrepreneurs featured in Bloom Season. Anytime someone goes to Ghana, you tell them to bring you back Shay, bring me back Shay and dry fish, you know. <laughs> Meet Abena Boma Achimpong. She first started making skincare products as an act of self-care during her time as a public school teacher from her stash of Shay collected over the years. My name is Abna Buama Champong. I am the founder and CEO of Hanahana Beauty. We're a consciously clean skincare beauty brand. Our mission is around how do we bring a level of humanity into the beauty space? We started with our most famous, our Shea Body Butters. But on the other end, we look at sustainability going from the producers we source from all the way to our communities and customers. Abena turned her passion into her business after receiving lots of product requests and encouragement from her family and friends. And like Abena, Hana Hana Beauty is also firmly grounded in its Ghanaian roots. The name was actually inspired by my dad. He told me Hanahana, which is a slang tree dialect. I had never heard the name before. And he was telling me that Hanahana means something that's smooth, something that's malleable, something that's flowing. And so it just fit. Similarly, Abena's evolution into entrepreneurship was a natural progression. As a kid, we would go to Ghana, I would come back and I would have rocks that I collected from the beach and shells and literally just like paint it with clear nail polish and sell it on the side of the street. When thinking about scaling her business, there was one very key element at the center of her model. When I decided to actually go back to Ghana and source Roche, I did a lot of research around fair trade because the mission at the time that I wanted to set was disruption within the beauty space. And I felt that fair trade was the disruption. After connecting with a women's cooperative in Ghana who would supply the Roche, Abena got to work creating a business that considered not only her customers and the environment, but also the people who were part of the process. I really started thinking about sustainability in a new way because it was like for me to help sustain them means that I as a brand need to be intentional around our strategy and growth so that we can continue to buy and scale the buying also from them. So for us, it's paying two times the asking price for raw materials, as well as creating access to healthcare and optimization of production. Abana is a long way from her first career in education. But some similarities remain in her work. 
I've been really always focused around what does it look like to help people in the way that they want to be helped. Learn more about Abana Boma Achimpong and other entrepreneurs at MailChimp.com slash BloomSeason. And now, back to the episode. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is the fact that you started to be known at a certain point as the mother of Black Hollywood. And we accepted that, okay? Like, we were yes, that is absolutely accurate. <laughs> the right title has gone to the right person. How did it feel for you to play so many mothers before you started being a mother or started being a parent? It was so righteous, actually. I can be Tina Turner's mama or Tupac's mama. Taraji's mama or Gabrielle Union's mother-in-law. It doesn't matter. What y'all see come through in all of those characters is Jennifer Lewis. My mother's the oldest of 16. My mother had nine sisters. So I was surrounded by aunts who mothered me. I was surrounded by church women who took me in. Little Jenny. Yes. You know, everybody, everybody wanted me to come over to their house because they knew I was going to sing them a song. You know, if Miss Clark made me some cake, some German chocolate cake, I was going to sing her a song. You got a standing ovation at 12 years old because you did a James Brown song with the moves. Those are wonderful memories. Those are the things that will live with you. Yes. It's just life is not a rehearsal. And it's not always a party. Wake up and know that. And write down at night what you're going to do the next day. And if you get half of that done, you're going to be all right. You've heard me say, be happy on your way to happy. Don't think you're going to get somewhere and be happy. You got to push for that. Just before Miss Lewis and I were about to wrap up, we had some technical difficulties. But she called me right back and gave me some of the best advice she had through her phone. Are y'all there? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, my God. Yes, I can hear you. Unfortunately, I've got my phone turned up. Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you very well. Okay, let's go. Fantastic. And listen, I just want y'all to know you don't have to apologize. I'm a team player. I've always been like that. So let's go. You're the best. Mm -hmm. You're the best. So here's my ultimate question here. Do you feel like there are differences between being a mother as a mentor and being a mother as an auntie? Because I've heard from so many people who have either thrived, flourished, or felt encouraged under your tutelage or under your mentorship. So what do you think the difference is between mothering as a mentor and mothering as family? There is no difference. Love is love. Darling, there's a thing called the North Star. And Lincoln said, oh, my God. If we know it's there, you can see it with your eyes. You know it's part of the balance of the universe itself, why would you not try to shine like it does? Mm. Why would you not reach for that truth alone? 
So no, there's no difference. Love doesn't choose who gets loved more. Love comes from the soul in the human being. It comes off the trees that supply oxygen. It comes from the gratitude of knowing how much grass has to grow to feed the planet. Hmm. It comes from knowing that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand. So I say to everybody who can hear my voice through print or through recording, act accordingly. Oh, little Ashley, love is all there is, baby. Every choice you make, every second of life is love. The fact that everything, every little thing is different every second without a second, every day and night, all of that is love. So no, there's no difference. No difference. Whether it's a mother loving a child, a father loving his son, a lioness loving a lion. It doesn't matter. It's all love. It's love. It's love. It's all love. I honestly can't thank you enough for your time. I know we had these technical difficulties today, but you showed up and showed out and have <laughs> left us with a gift. You've left us with a blessing on our lives and I, I can't thank you enough for that you know the the deepest part of me wants to say do you want to adopt me too uh <laughs> and I <laughs> I I just I I but I I know I know enough I know that I have a concept of enough and what you've given us today is is more than enough it's my pleasure I don't even know thank how you. not to baby <laughs> and that's the best part I don't even know how not to that's the gift. Y'all take care of each other. Have a great day. You too. Thank I will. you. Bye, baby cake. Bye, Miss Lewis. Bye, baby. Talking with Miss Lewis was a dream come true. And after that conversation, I have an expanded idea of what mothering looks like. It's not just about being in people's lives as the person who gave birth to them or being the person they call mom. You can mother people from behind a TV screen, on a stage, and in the words you write and speak to them. That's not all the mothering someone might need, but it's something, and it's useful, and sometimes it's all you have to give. There is nobody in the whole world like Jennifer Lewis, and she's found a way to not only mother herself, but to model it for the people she cares about. If that's not love, I don't know what is. Going Through It is a production of Pineapple Street Studios and MailChimp. Our producer is Emerald O'Brien. 
Our associate producers are Marina Henke and Yinka Rickford Anguin. Our managing producer is Camila Kashani. The show is edited by Aaron Edwards. Mixing by Davy Sumner. Original music by Mike Noyce and Davy Sumner with additional music from Epidemic Sound. Mara Davis is our booker. We had help from Stephen Key, Jason Richards, and Ari Saperstein. Legal services for Pineapple Street by Bianca Grimshaw at Granderson de Rocher. Our executive producer is J.N. Barry. Our production partners at MailChimp Studios are Julie Douglas, Sasha Brown, Christina Humphrey, and Caroline Albro. And a special thanks to my better half, without whom none of this would be possible. My assistant, Ariane Young. And thank you for listening. We know the range of experiences around this decision is so broad. And while we can't cover every story, we're grateful that we could bring you a few of them. So you want to craft an email marketing strategy, but you're not exactly sure where to start. Why not take a cue from Pack Up and Go? It's a surprise travel company that reveals their clients' destinations on the morning of their trips. The folks at Pack Up and Go designed a marketing plan that would both answer customer questions while also building their brand. Here's how they did it. Pack Up and Go started by using their customer-generated content to show off all these amazing trips that they offer building a loyal community of fans in the process. And then they used MailChimp's segmentation capabilities and email automations to send targeted messages that reached relevant audiences, like an automated campaign to new customers, reminding them to purchase PackUp&Go's travel insurance. With MailChimp's help, the marketing team at PackUp&Go has created a plan that works for them. Start crafting your email marketing strategy today at MailChimp.com.